Well, good morning, Grace Fellowship. Can I tell you how beautiful you are? Oh my gosh, if you could stand here and look at what I'm looking at. You are so beautiful in Jesus. Please give Jesus a round of applause. You know, I gotta tell you, he is so faithful. He is so good. He's so consistent. He stays the same all the time. And his love endures forever. Can you say that with me? His love endures forever. Do you know right now he is drawing you? I passed my line. I am so sorry. They put lines on the floor for me this time. Feel free to tell me when I pass my line, folks. Do you know right now he is drawing you with unbreaking cords of kindness? Do you know that's who he is? He is so passionate for you. He loves you so much. And he says, I am with you. And then he asks you a question. Will you be with me? He says, I am with you. And say it with me. Will you be with me? See, he just longs for fellowship with you, his beautiful creation, the crown of his creation. He longs to be with you, and he is with you in Jesus Christ. But he wants you to be with him. And I will tell you this here on planet Earth, there are so many things to distract you from being with him. There are so many things that are trying to grab your attention, planted by the very evil one, to try and snare you away from understanding just how good and faithful he is. Do not be deceived, people of God. You are living in an unprecedented time of evil. Do you agree with me? I don't know what the end times are going to look like. I do know this, as Pastor Mark says all the time, we're closer today than we were yesterday. But can I, I see the signs. Do you see the signs? I'm not one to prophesy doom. I never have been and never probably will be. Can I tell you, I see the signs in our culture. The day is evil indeed, but God is so good. He is so faithful. And he longs for you to be so built up in him that you will stand firm to the end. But here's my fear, church. We're not ready. It's the fear I want to cry over with you and for you. I don't know how many of us are ready to stand firm to the end. Some of what I'm going to preach to you today comes out of just my heart, and it comes out of a desert experience for me. The Lord has driven me out to the desert for the last three to four months to spend unprecedented times with him alone, listening to him through his word, having him speak to me through his word. In addition to that, and I'm never one to say this kind of stuff, I have had two apocalyptic dreams. I don't know what those mean, and I'm not saying here, I'm not standing here saying that I know anything. All I know is that it will come like a thief in the night. All I know is that Jesus is coming back. All I know is that things are mounting, and here's what I know, Jesus wins. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. He does. And he is worthy of our glory. But folks, the days are evil. And we need to be prepared. I'm talking to you, Grace Fellowship Church, but I'm talking to you online. And I know we have a lot of friends joining us that don't. Don't come to Grace Fellowship Church. I have people from all over the country tuning into this today by the grace of God. So I want to say that what I'm saying today is not just to Grace Fellowship Church, but it is to the church of Jesus Christ. 
As the church of Jesus Christ, it is time for us to be done with low living. It is time for us to be done with mediocre and work, lukewarm loving of Jesus. It is time for us to become as passionate for him as he is for us. So for 15 years, I've had the honor of standing before you as a body. Some of you know last year it was by video. And um, sharing the vision of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. This year it's going to be a little different than it ever has been before. I'm telling you, today I get to proclaim something to you that I've been waiting for for six years. Which is a pretty amazing thing. That God is so faithful, he continues to reveal and heal in his body. And he is a great provider. But there are three visionary commitments that the elders and the staff of Grace Fellowship Church and the York Regional Dream Center have come around unified to this day, and we want to place them before you. The first one is deepen our discipleship. Can you say that with me? Deepen our discipleship. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. We need to start acting like them. But we have to be serious about our relationship with him in such a way that we spend time with him in his word and that we chew on his word. More on that in a few minutes. We're supposed to deepen our discipleship. We're supposed to tell our testimonies. Can you say that? Tell our testimonies. We are supposed to bear witness to who Jesus is in our lives. The scripture says this, they overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the power of their testimony. Can I tell you something? The blood of the lamb is so sufficient for you. He died for you and his blood covers all of your sin and he made a way back for you. He bought you back. He redeemed you with his blood. So it says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the power of our witness, by our testimonies. When you tell a story of the love of God, can I tell you something? Demons scream. Satan shakes. You know why? Because they know who he is. The demons know who Jesus is. Satan knows who Jesus is. They just don't want anybody else to know who he is. So when you tell your witness, when you share the love of God, when you talk about Jesus as the one whom you adored, your Lord, the one who saved you, spiritual things shift and God is glorified. So we long together to deepen our discipleship, to tell our testimonies, and to empower the next generation. Can you say that with me? Empower the next generation. More on that in a few minutes. I'm going to pray for us today, and I'm going to pray a spiritual warfare prayer. Now, when I was here last time with you here at Summit Grove, I prayed a prayer from a book called The Adversary by Mark Bubeck. I'm going to pray a different section of that same prayer Then I'm also going to add to it a prayer that was taught to me by a woman named Katie many years ago. When it came to understanding how to address spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And I want you to pray with me as I pray to our heavenly father. Let's pray. Heavenly father, we come before you now in humility. And we acknowledge your great and abiding love for us. We bow down before you and we agree with your word that you, Jesus, are the vine and we are the branches. If we abide in you, if we dwell in you, we will bear much fruit. But Lord, apart from you, we can do nothing. 
So, Lord, as we begin this time together, we acknowledge if anything eternally valuable happens here, if anything good, honorable, righteous, and beautiful happens, it is from you and from you alone, the Father of lights. We are grateful, Lord Jesus, that you have spoiled all principalities and powers and made a show of them openly and triumphed over them in yourself. We claim all that victory for our gathering today and for our fellowship in you ongoing. We reject out of this fellowship all the insinuations, the accusations, and the temptations of Satan. Based on the authority given by you, we bind up all curses, bitter root judgments, all divinations, and anything that is of the evil one, and we send it back to its people and place of origin with a spirit of joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We forgive, Lord God, because you forgave us. We choose the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and the love of Christ over all who have sought to harm this fellowship. We affirm that the word of God is true and we choose to live today in light of God's word. We choose, Heavenly Father, to live in obedience to you and in fellowship with yourself. Open our eyes, God, and show us the areas of our lives that would not please you and help us by our power, by your power, to turn back to you to repent in the name of Jesus. We do in every way today stand for you in the ministry of your Holy Spirit and our lives. By faith and dependence upon you, we put off the old person and we stand into all the victory of the crucifixion where the Lord Jesus Christ provided cleansing from the old nature. We put on the new person and we stand into all the victory of the resurrection and the provision he has made for us there to live above sin. Therefore, in this day, we put off the old nature with its selfishness, and we put on the new nature with its love. We put off the old nature with its fear, and we put on the new nature with its courage. We put off the old nature with its human weakness, and we put on the new nature with its divine strength. We put off today the old nature with all its deceitful desires, and we put on the new nature with all its righteousness and purity. We do in every way stand into the victory of the ascension and the glorification of the Son of God, where all principalities and all powers were made subject to him. We claim our place in Christ victorious with him over all the enemies of our souls. Blessed Holy Spirit, we pray that you would fill us to overflowing. Fill this place and break down every idol and cast out every foe. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the expression of your will for our daily lives as you have shown us in your word. We therefore claim all your will for our gathering today. We are thankful that you have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We love you, we praise you, we glorify you, and we acknowledge that you alone are the source of all life. We pray this all in the name that is above every name, the name that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We pray this in the precious name of Yeshua the Christ and all God's people said, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Praise you, God. Thank you, thank you. All right, I think I peaked somewhere in there, so the rest of it's downhill. (laughs) Only joking, only joking. He's just getting started. He's just getting started. All that I'm going to communicate with you is in line today with our vision for the next season of grace. And is that we would walk together in experiencing even greater victory in Jesus Christ. Walking in what Jesus has already given us. Let me help you understand something. We do not pray for victory. We pray from a place of victory. 
Jesus has already given us the victory. The question is, do we know it and are we walking in it? How many of you would like to more, walk more fully in the victory that Jesus Christ has given you? Just show of hands. The scripture records that when Jesus breathed his last breath, right before he did on the cross, right before that temple curtain was torn in two, right before he breathed his last breath, he said this word, tetelestai. You say that with me? Tetelestai. That means it is finished. It's done. The work that Jesus Christ came to do was finished on the cross. He won. He gave us the victory. The scripture says, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is in sin and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus Christ defeated Satan on the cross forever. Period. He brought us back to himself with his blood. He took the full and complete punishment and all the wrath of God that we deserved, and he took it upon himself because he loved us that much. So that we now can approach the throne of grace with confidence because of who we are in Christ. Listen to me very carefully. If you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you are in eternally secure. I'm going to say that again. If you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you are secure forever. The question is, do you know it? And the question is, do you walk in it? Look, I got to tell you, I come up here and I'm over there bowing down at a tree on my knees just five minutes before I get started, crying out to God, I've got nothing to offer. I feel so weak. Lord, they came off antihistamines a week ago. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I've been feeling so tired. I've been feeling so whatever. And you know what? I get up here and somehow he just starts speaking through me. That's not me. That's Jesus. I'm 60 years old and I'm tired. But he never grows tired. Some of you are going, 60, you're just a puppy. I heard 60 is the new 40. I guess the new 40, 40 is like the new 20. I don't know what that means for 20-year-olds. <laughs> but God has given us resurrection power. And that's, that's the only way that I stand before you today. Folks, don't ever be deceived. Ben, Mark, myself, Matthew, anybody else who stands up here, Phil? It's not because we're strong. It's because he is. It's not because we have the words. It's because he does. It's not because we have anything eternal of value to offer. It's because he is present and he loves us. So you are eternally secure. You're secure forever, child of God. Satan has lost you forever. And he can do nothing. He could do nothing to get you back. But here's the thing too. He can do nothing to hurt you forever. Nothing. It's like this big cat. This is like a lion, the scripture says. He's waiting for somebody to value. But it's like Jesus at the cross took this big pair of pliers and yanked all his teeth out. It's like Jesus at the cross took a big pair of pliers and yanked every claw out one by one and watched him scream. So now he's this big kitty cat with no claws and no teeth. 
If you're in Christ Jesus, he's got no teeth and no claws. All he can do is roar and try and scare you. He can bat you around a bit and he can gum you. That's all he can do. He can just gum you. He can't hurt you. Stop living like he can. Please stop living like he can. The days are short. And God is calling us to rise up as his church and have victory in him. Now, I want to define what victory is a little bit later. But I want to tell you, when you hear that word, don't think it's you getting your next Mercedes. That's not what it is. Don't you think it's about getting the things that you want? Victory in Christ Jesus is seeing him glorified and him glorified alone. It's you and I living as his church. That's what kingdom victory is. And I got to tell you, folks, there's so much beauty, but we got a long way to go. This passage in 1 Corinthians 15 that I quoted goes on, therefore, in light of the fact that Jesus has already given us this victory, that's my ad. My dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I have an important question for you. Are you, important, are you prepared to stand firm? Are you ready to have nothing move you? Are you already standing firm? Are you ready to give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, knowing that there is no one and nothing else worth living for but Jesus Christ? You've got to understand this. He is the creator of all things. If we live for him, we live for the most important person there ever was or will ever be. But so many of us are living for other things and other people than God. And it is time for us to repent. It is time for us to turn. Listen to what Jesus says about us as church. He says, you, actually, you know what? Read this with me, please. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. They put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. The same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now listen to me. This is a picture of kingdom victory. Kingdom victory is when we shine brightly for Jesus, and other people see evidence of his love in us, and that love comes to us and then it moves through us to reach more and more with the good news of Jesus Christ. Then more and more know his love and then more and more stories are written for God and then he is glorified more and more in our fellowship because his love is abounding in our fellowship. He says, let your light so shine before men. You see, this light of Jesus melts even the hardest of hearts. I can stand before you and say that with absolute certainty because I had the hardest of hearts. I can say with Paul, the chief of sinners, before Jesus Christ saved me over 35 years ago, I was a lust addict. I was an alcoholic. I was lost in panic attacks and depression. I was lost, lost, lost. 
And I was looking for meaning in life in everything but God. But then God in his grace reached down and touched me and picked me out of the muck and the mire. And he set my feet down on a rock. And he said, you are my child forever now. I love you, I love you, and I love you. And I want you to grow up in me so that I would be glorified in and through you. And then one day, Jeff, I will bring you home. If you're in Christ Jesus, one day he will bring you home. Can I tell you something? You are a foreigner here. You are in exile. You do not belong here. You are just here on mission. You're here on assignment. Are you living on mission? Are you fooling about with the things of the world that don't matter? Jesus Christ longs for us to be cups that overflow that he would pour into us his love and that love would fill us so much up that it would overflow to those around us. But what I fear is that so many of us are going to Jesus for three to five minutes in the morning and say, Lord, here's my cup, boom. He puts a little drop in there and then we run around. It dries up so quickly. And we're really not placing ourselves under the fountain of God's love. It's a waterfall, folks. I want to tell you, he changes you from the inside out. Jesus Christ said, I came to set the captives. I came to set the captives. And if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Are you free? Are you experiencing the freedom of Jesus Christ? Are you walking in the ways of this world so that you're feeling the weight of this world, so you're filled with the worries of this world? God wants to deliver you by walking in the way of Jesus Christ that you are no longer subject to the weight, the ways, and the worries of this world because you belong to another world. It's called the kingdom of God, and it is upon us today. Jesus is in this room with us right now. The Holy Spirit is with us right now, and the kingdom of God is now. Don't wait. Run to him. He longs for you to have fellowship with him. Folks, this is a picture of kingdom victory when we overflow and God uses us to bring more and more into fellowship with himself. So the question would be for us, Grace Fellowship Church, how brightly are we shining? How brightly are we shining? Don't you think it would be right that if this is kingdom victory, then we would take a little inventory, right? If you're losing weight, don't you get on the scale every once in a while to check if it's working? People are like, no, I avoid the scale completely. Okay, bad metaphor, I'm sorry. But it's right that we examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord, Lamentation says. Let us examine our ways and test them before him and his word and his Holy Spirit and let us return to the Lord. Let us turn back to him because here's what's assumed, folks. You're always going to be wandering off. That's what's assumed about you and me. There's an inclination in us called the flesh, and there's also this evil one in the world and the world systems that are constantly tempting us and drawing us away. But no temptation has seized you except what is common to all people. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out that you might stand up under it. That's what today is about for us, folks, turning back to Jesus. Now, don't hear me saying that we haven't been honoring and loving Jesus at Grace Fellowship Church. We have been. But there are ways as a fellowship and as a kingdom of God that we need to repent. And so we're going to be talking today about some of the ways that we need to turn back to God. While I'm examining this question historically for Grace Fellowship Church, 
I want you to ask it personally. I want you to hear Jesus saying, I love you. I love you so much. How much is my love coming through you to others? Ask that question of yourself. Because folks, I know Jesus loves us and his grace is sufficient for us. I don't know about you, sometimes I get frustrated. Sometimes I get annoyed. Sometimes I get really hard to live with. Anybody say amen? Amen. Now, that's been by the grace of God improving over the years. You can talk to Tracy. I think she, I've gone from a C to maybe like a B minus. What do you think, honey? Like, like I've grown, and that's evidence of Jesus in my life. I've grown, and hopefully you're growing too. But here's the question you need to ask personally. Is God's love flowing through me to others? Am I shining bright for you, God? Now, look, if, if the answer is no, don't feel condemnation because there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But feel godly conviction, godly sorrow, and repent. Repent. Turn back to him. You see, the days of old, we used to get on our faces a lot in the church. In the old days, we used to sob a lot at the altar. Anybody remember those days? I think we need to return to those days. Anybody with me? I think we need to wail before God and cry out to him and say, Lord, we repent. I'm going to give you an opportunity, I think, for that today. But I, I want to touch on the history of Grace Fellowship Church and the York Regional Dream Center because I want to glorify God in what I say. And when we talk about this today, I want you to understand something. The good things that I talk about are not because of us. They're not because of Jeff Smith. They're not because of any staff members. They're not because of Pastor Ben or Pastor Mark or the elders. They're not because of any of those people. They're only and solely because of Jesus Christ at work within us. But I want you to understand something. This fellowship is so precious to God that it is worth protecting with everything we have. It is worth protecting in the name of Jesus Christ. It is worth fighting in the spiritually realms for it because we have been attacked historically. Do you know that? When we first moved on the hill, you know what some of the people in the community were saying? Have you drank the Kool-Aid yet? You know, that's a reference to Jim, Joan, and Guiana, right? They're killing people up there. You know, there are literally people throughout the history of grace that have been used by the evil one to want to destroy our fellowship. Do you understand that? Do you know why that is? Satan doesn't attack dead churches. Why? Because they're already dead. Satan attacks live churches because he wants them to go down. He wants them to die. And I'm going to tell you something. As the founding pastor of Grace Fellowship Church, this fellowship is worth fighting for in the spirit. This picture was around October 17, 2007. That's like 15 years ago. And this is when a ragtag group of 45 or so of us got together. By the way, how many of you were at that first service by the grace of God at Grace Shrewsbury? Just raise your hand. Yep, over there. Okay, over there. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, 15 years ago, I had no clue what I was doing. I don't think any of us really did. We were excited for Jesus. We really were. But we bought some equipment they had to borrow money for. That made me want to pee myself to begin with. I was just so afraid. How are we ever going to pay that back? It was like $60,000. We paid it back in three months. Glory to God. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah, God, right? And so we actually went into this school, and we had no idea what was going to happen. And like the first service, like 200 people showed up. 
And we're like, holy crow, what do we do now? We didn't have enough room for everybody. It was amazing. This is what the whole of the schoolway looked like. You can see our sister Selena right there. God bless her. There's Jody. You can see other people in these pictures. There I am teaching. I brought my dog. Remember I put my dog in a box? Anybody remember that one? Bill, you remember that one, right? Switchfoot. He was in a box and we let him out and everybody petted the dog. I remember teaching that God's love was like a dog. Anybody agree with that? Anybody say amen? Your dog's happy to see you when you come home, I hope. How many people have a dog who is happy to see them when they come home? So God's like that. He loves you. He holds nothing against you. Why? Because he paid for all your sins. It's all gone. So I remember <laughs> this, this group of people, and we were like, it was going, it was insane. We were putting infants in violin cubicles. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. And we were seeing God glorified, and we were seeing lives change. Let me let you in on a secret, folks. There are a lot of ways that people will measure church victory. They'll look at it in bucks and bodies, but that's wrong. It's not about bucks and bodies. It's not about the number of people who have come. It's not about the amount of money that you have. It's about the lives that are changed for the glory of God. And throughout the history of Grace Fellowship Church and the York Regional Dream Center, the one thing that keeps us going, Chris Sizzik, Mark Fair, Ben Lawrence, elders, everybody, is that we continually hear stories from God's people that their lives are being changed. And as long as that continues to happen, we will keep doing what we're doing. <laughs> Maggie, all right. So, so we saw people's lives being changed, and we saw this crazy thing happening where God was you know, kind of building this incredible community of people, and the fellowship was deepening. And yes, we had problems. When you have people, you always have problems. Say that after me. When you have people, you always have problems. I used to say, I'd love my job if it wasn't for the people. And then Jesus said, but your job is me and the people. God, can we commit we're just messy? Can we just confess that we're problematic and we have fickle hearts? And you know, there's things in the church of Jesus Christ that I'm just praying God works out first in me, but in all of us. We're not here because of a production or a presentation. We're here to worship our God. And, and so... What happened was we, we saw this shopping center. People had been praying for it long before we ever came around. Long before I even moved to Shrewsbury, there were people that come back and they'd tell Pastor Mark Fair, can you tell you that? There were people who were driving stakes in the ground of the shopping center, claiming it for the glory of God. 20 years before we actually moved in. Now, can I tell you something? That shopping center, it's on a mountain. That is a strategic position for warfare. Because if you have the high ground, you have a strategic position over your enemy. Can I tell you something else that you may not know? They had to bring special equipment in to put that shopping center in on that hill from West Virginia. And they had to use dynamite and special equipment because the whole hill is a rock. So it's on a mountain and it's on a rock. You guys making the connections? The Lord, my God, is my rock and my salvation in whom I put my trust. You see, God gave me this strategic location for a reason that more and more would be reached for the glory of God. And so we came up one Sunday after the services and we laid hands on the building and we asked the Lord to give it to us. Anybody was there laying hands on the building? 
Yeah, okay, more, more, that's good. And so we laid hands on this building. We had no idea what we were doing. We had no money. And we went through this crazy thing with the owner who didn't know Jesus, and I went and sat to him and talked to him about Jesus, and he didn't receive Jesus, but then he said, well, I guess I'll sell you the shopping center. And then he said, well, we couldn't get financing. He said, well, I guess I'll finance it for you. And I said, well, we can't really afford that. Well, I guess I'll give you a lower rate. And I was like, oh, Lord, you are just crazy good. <laughs> then we went to a bank who wouldn't finance us, and they said, wait a second, you got owner financing? We said, yes. So they went to have a little secret meeting. They came back, and they said, no, we're going to finance you. And God just opened door after door after door, and I still remember sitting with our brother, Alan Urban, up in New York, outside an attorney's office in the car, and we were both stunned after we came out. We sat there for a minute of complete silence. He looked at me. He goes, did we just buy a shopping center? And I went, oh, my gosh, we did. Thank you, Lord, you are so good. And so what happened was we started seeing families of people come together. Now, remember this, folks. We are the church. The church is not that building. The church is, is not that, that, that structure. The church is this. The church is this. We are God's people. And wherever we go, we're the church. And so that's just a gathering place. That's just a wineskin. It's just a form. It's just a structure. But it's us who is the church. And this is bragging on Jesus when we look at groups of young people coming together called junior leaders for the glory of God. We see groups of people coming together in awakened, literally a couple hundred people, students coming together. We're bragging on Jesus here. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? For the glory of God. This was in the cafe just this past week. I had the honor of being there with Pastor Phil and those students. I'm telling you, they love Jesus. And you go, well, they're young, Jeff. You're cynical. And if you say that, Maybe your heart is calloused. I'm telling you, folks, I've been with people throughout my history of this fellowship that put me to shame. They so increase my faith. Whether I'm on a docked block with one of these crazy people that drag me into these places, I'm like, what are we doing here? He's like, we're here for God. Okay, I guess I'll follow you. And then I'm with groups of students that are passionately jumping up and down and loving Jesus. And I'm feeling this sweet sense of conviction in my spirit. Jeff, I am that alive in you. Let me come forth. Let me come forth. Don't be afraid. Don't be deceived. Let go of needing to be in control. So God continued to multiply this crazy, insane kingdom movement. And we saw us buy a house up in York, and we saw Adopt-A-Block launched into trailer parks and up in York and in Shrewsbury and Stewartstown. And we see the Lord's Gym come to fruition. I apologize if you're in that picture. I'll go fast. And then <laughs> we see things like the Harvest Pantry Cafe, and we see these Adopt-A-Block parties, and we see the launching of another church called Zeal Church that is meeting this very morning up in York and glorifying Jesus. Yeah. 
Now look, I apologize to you if your ministry wasn't featured in those pictures, but I tried to like, I just, I gotta stop. I can't get like a hundred slides in here. But can I tell you something? We could go on for a long time noting the beauty of what Jesus Christ has done in our fellowship. This family is worth fighting for. We had the YRDC open house, by the way. YRDC means York Regional Dream Center. If you've always wondered, oh, I always wondered what that was, York Regional Dream Center. And we had the YRDC open house last week, and there was a gentleman that I talked to in the gym. He was there with his family. He goes, Pastor Jeff, this is overwhelmingly beautiful. Can I tell you, when I get the honor of walking people through, as well as my sisters and brothers, through the church and through the Dream Center, can I tell you people often cry? Why? Because by the grace of God, we are being the family of God. There is so much for us to celebrate, so much for us to praise God for. And so what I'd like you to do this next moment, actually it's up there, is I would like the staff and the elders of Grace Fellowship Church and the York Regional Dream Center to come forward. Please do that as quickly as you possibly can. Don't hesitate. People that are coming forward, all of our staff couldn't be with us today, um, but this is a sampling of our staff and our elder team. They're still coming, folks. They're still coming. Can I tell you something? This family is just so incredibly beautiful. Like I look at each person and I like just feel these feelings like, oh my gosh, I went through that with you. And oh my gosh, we went through that together. And oh my gosh, I can't believe what God has done. And if you look at the history of Grace Fellowship Church, he has woven us together with cords that cannot be broken. But I will tell you this, this past year we took an attack. We took an attack. And the enemy wanted to divide this. Again, I'm not talking about people, folks. So don't be drawing lines to people. I'm talking about principalities and places and rulers of darkness. I'm talking about spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. I'm not talking about people, so don't be thinking about names. That's not, that's not what I'm doing. I'm telling you, every live church gets attacked. Every Jesus family, if your family is a Jesus family, you will be attacked. Everything of God gets attacked. And by the grace of God, this family is still intact. Now, a lot of you have wondered, like, what's going on at Grace? Like, this past year, I have to be honest, we've been less transparent than we have historically. Thank you for your patience with us. We were tending to internal matters. There was one point, literally, where we thought we could have lost 50% of our staff because of the seeds of deception that Satan was sowing. Don't think this can't happen to you. <laughs> Don't think this doesn't happen everywhere. It does. 
But Satan had sown seeds of deception in this fellowship, and literally we could have lost half of this staff or more. I know because I ask these people. I know because I've actually talked. You know, we've gotten rooms and we've cried together. We've gotten rooms and we've yelled together. We've actually gotten rooms and we've just trusted Jesus with all our hearts together. And guess what? He has healed us. He has brought unity to us. And now he has given us vision for the future. So I checked with all these folks, <laughs> a little late on some of the Dream Center folks, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I just said, can we stand together in solidarity and say that we are one body now and we are ready to lead this fellowship into the next season. And I'd like to count to three and have everybody who's willing at least to say a resounding yes. One, two, three. Yes. Okay, so there you hear it. We're unified and we're ready to move. Okay, so I'm going to pray for us. And if actually, if you would be willing out there to stand while I pray and hold a hand out to this staff. Now, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, we thank you so much that you are faithful. You do restore the years the locusts have destroyed. You are the healer and you are the great revealer and you are the great protector. There is no one like you. And you are the one that has held this family together throughout all these years, but especially this last year, Lord. You alone are the one who has saved us. So we thank you, Jesus, and we pray now that we declare together as a staff and as a grace family, today is a new day for you. It is a new beginning because your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And so we rededicate ourselves to you fully and ask, Lord, that we would shine brighter than ever before. We pray this all in the precious name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. amen. Please give this staff a round of applause. These elders, a round of applause, please. Okay, folks. Now, look, every family has problems, so don't like guessing about stuff. Don't go, you know, I wonder what it was. You know what it was? No, I don't know what it was. What was it? <laughs> See, gossip is like a dainty morsel. It goes down deep. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Just celebrate. Just thank God that he is the one who sustains us through the storm. And he did. He not only sustained us, but he brought us back together stronger than we have ever been before. I asked the staff this this past week, and many times I went to individuals and I said, do you feel like God is knitting us together in a way that is unprecedented for us? Are we stronger than we have ever been before? And everybody said, yes, we are. So folks, we're ready. We're ready. And we're asking you to join us in discovering more of what Jesus has for us. You might say, well, I mean, look at all that Jesus has done up to this point in time. Like, my gosh, he's put all these families together. Look at the Dream Center. I mean, it's like a jewel. Look at the church. It's amazing. Can't we just rest in what Jesus has already done until he comes back? And the resounding answer is? No. Say it again louder. No. Again. Why? Because he's not done working. He's not done working. He's not done working until he comes back. When he comes back, everything will be changed. <laughs> like that. It's all over. The old is gone and the new has come. He's made everything new. In the meantime, we are called to stay on mission for the glory of God and reach more and more with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and you know, Satan's tactic is to distract us 
Satan's tactic is to divide us. Satan's tactic is to discourage us. But this staff is undivided and we are not discouraged and we are ready to move. So we're inviting you to join us. Jesus is just getting started. You look at all that and you go, really? Yep, Jesus is just getting started. We've said this year after year after year. Pastor Mark reminds me of it because I think I said it first. He goes, you said that. I was like, yeah, I guess I did. Jesus is just getting started. There's always more with Jesus. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. More than you could ever ask or imagine. What keeps the church from moving forward? There's a lot of things that keep the church from moving forward, but I'm going to give you three today. The first one is we get deceived. The second one is we get fearful. And the third one is we want to be in control. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Look, this thief, Satan himself, is a liar. When he speaks his native language, he speaks lies fluently. Deception is the only thing he can speak. He is a tempter, he is a hater, and he is a liar. And he hates God with a passion. But he can't hurt God, so who's he going to go after? God's people. But God is so much greater. See, I'm not going to give Satan. I was, when I read his name, by the way, I just write it a small s. My spell check, I was supposed to put a capital S. That's Satan himself. I put a small s. Small s. No, no, you're puny. He hates being mocked. He's such a puny guy. He just doesn't know. You know like he's got an IQ of like a million. But like God's IQ is like Googleplex. Like, like so much more. He's got stronger than I am. Stronger than you are, but it's not stronger than our God. Greater is he who lives in us than he who is in the world. Say that with me. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. You've got to understand and believe that, because if not, you will shake in your boots. If not, you will be susceptible to deception. You will allow fear to control you, and you will want to remain in control. But the invitation is for us to trust God in such a way that we stay close to him and we know the truth that we actually walk in courage and we don't act in timidity because God has not given us a spirit of fear. And then we actually then let God be God because he's really good at it. Is anybody in here willing to raise their hand and say that you are good at being God? Because if you do, we're going to step back. How many of us try and play God on a regular basis? Folks, we need to stop that because God is faithful and he can be trusted. It's scary to surrender, but it's so freeing. The greatest victory you will ever experience comes from surrendering yourself to Jesus Christ. When you surrender yourself to him, he takes over. He takes control and it's a wild ride. (laughs) Yes, some of the turns scare you, but you realize he's in control. And you go, God, can I jump back in the driver's seat? He goes, no, no, no. You'll mess it up. But we try. Let me tell you something. Lies, deceit is just so, our culture is so steeped in deception that lies come to us. We don't have to go to them. They come to us regularly. The scripture says on this second point, perfect love casts out all fear. Say that with me. Perfect love casts out all fear. Too long, the body of Christ, and I'm talking globally, has been walking in a spirit of fear. 
It is time for us to throw off that fear in the name of Jesus Christ and walk boldly in victory. And last but certainly not least is our good old self-sovereignty. You see, we want to be in control. We want to call the shots. And the teaching that we've heard in Genesis has been excellent. Would you please give our teaching pastors a round of applause, please? I'm telling you, these guys are amazing. I get the honor of working with them regularly and weekly and the jewels that they unpack in God's word for us. But what we've been learning time and time and time again is that God is writing a story and it's God's story and he's inviting us to the story. But we try and write our own story and every time we try and write our own story, it fails. It's dismal. It never works. But God's longing and just inviting us to be a part of what he's already doing. So the rest of my message was supposed to be a nice message. That's the first message I wrote. I wrote a nice message. I spent a lot of time on it. I really did. Then God woke me up at 3 o'clock Friday morning and said, you're not going to teach that message. And I said, yes, I am. He made me miserable. God loves you so much that he will make you miserable. That's called discipline. God disciplines those whom he loves. And my spirit just sagged. <laughs> God, I already prepared this one. He goes, I don't care. <laughs> I got a word I want to speak to my people. And it's not a nice little message. It's a word of challenge. It's a word of challenge. And God challenges us because he loves us. He said, I want you to tell them to trust me more than they ever have before. I want you to tell them not to be conformed to the patterns of this world any longer. I thought about the state of the church overall, and my heart broke when I actually listened with Jesus. He said, Jeff, my people are wandering away from my word. Do you know what's happening in the state of the church in our country and globally? We are allowing cultural scripts to creep in and take over the word of God. We are sanctioning things and making them even lawful in the church and saying they're godly and loving when they are against the word of God. Folks, we have to stand firm in the word of God. So he said to me, my people are wandering away from my word as the authoritative source of all life. His word, this Bible, is the literal script for your life. It is your spiritual formation book. This book is alive. The words in it are not just blank, black ink on a page. This is the word of God, and it is alive, sharper than any double-edged sword, dividing joint and marrow, revealing the motives of your heart. And God uses his words in such powerful and profound ways that he literally spoke when he created the universe. And now he wants to speak into you and change you from the inside out. God told me that people are yielding to the cultural fear so they do not offend other people. And we're yielding to cultural fear and we're not telling the story of Jesus because we're afraid that we're going to offend somebody. Think about that. We are forsaking our first love so that we don't offend these people who have fickle and sinful hearts. Years ago, Tracy and I listened to a little cassette tape. We still have some cassette tapes. Anybody have cassette tapes? <laughs> Anybody have eight tracks? I still remember those clunking them into my car and pushing that button. This woman's name was Ann Kimmel. She's now home with the Lord. 
she, she um, lived in the city of Boston, and she lived a contagious faith, such a contagious faith for Jesus. Every time we listened to her, we were just so spurred on to love and good deeds because literally she was, everywhere she'd go, just tell people about Jesus. Let me ask you something. Do you love anybody sitting, well, maybe not sitting next to you. Maybe, I don't want to ask. Do you love any other person? Raise your hand if you love somebody. Do you talk about them? I mean, I love my kids. I tell everybody about my kids. I love my wife. I tell everybody about my wife. But I love Jesus more. And I want to tell everybody about Jesus. But you know, when I do, before I do, my heart pounds a little bit. Sweat comes up on my palms. You know why? My flesh is kicking back. And there are things happening in the spiritual realms. But Anne, she would just walk into those dark places and she would say, sir, can you tell me one word that describes your life? And then she would wait for an answer. And she got in a cab. She told a story once of getting in a cab with an old cabbie in Boston. And she said, sir, can you tell me one word that describes your life? And she said, lady, I'll give you two. Boring and alone. She said, sir, I'm so sorry that those words describe your life. And then she said this, can I sing you a little song? And he said, lady, you're crazy. She said, well, I don't have a great voice, but I'd love to sing you a little song. Can I sing you a little song? And he said, okay. And she started singing a little song. Freely, freely you have received. Freely, freely give. Go in my name and because you believe. Others will know that I live. He said, she said, sir, do you know who that song's about? He said, no, lady, I don't. And she said, well, that's about Jesus. He's my friend. He walks with me. He talks with me, and I talk to him, and I cry with him, and he loves me, and he's so good to me. He holds me. He sustains me. He's my everything. And he said, well, lady, I'm a Jew. And she said, that's okay. (laughs) Just love it. She goes, that's okay. He can be your friend too. And after that cab ride, that man crossed from death to life. He went from an eternity in hell, being tortured forever, to an eternity in glory with Jesus Christ. Just because she was willing to talk to him about the one who loves her more than anyone ever would. Folks, you've got to understand something. We allow fear to control us so often. And God's just saying, this is simple. This is not rocket science. Just tell them how much I love them. Just tell them how much they've changed your life. Jeff, have I done anything good for you? Oh my gosh, God, you've told so much from me. Well, just tell them one thing. You know, I love the guy who was blind from birth. <laughs> You know, Jesus heals his eyes. The the, the Pharisees and the scribes who didn't know Jesus, didn't have a relationship with God, they call him to say, hey, this guy is a sinner. He goes, well, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind. Now I can see. How do you argue with that? I mean, they tried to. They called his parents in. (laughs) You know, like they tried to argue. He's like, I don't know. All I know is I was blind and now I can see. Do you have a story like that? I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was filled with despair, but now I have hope. I had all this darkness in my life, but now I have light. You see, if you have a story like that, you just need to start to learn to tell that story. But God's people are afraid. They're afraid of a toothless, declawed cat. 
He can't hurt you. Walk in faith. Well, Jeff, are you telling me that I'm not going to be hurt here on planet Earth? And I don't hear me say that. <laughs> You're going to get hurt. Pain is inevitable. Misery is optional. You get to choose your pain. Do you want godly pain or do you want fleshly pain? Pain is not an option here. But misery is. If you trust Jesus Christ with your life and you give yourself more fully to him and you walk out of that fear into a place of courage, I can guarantee you, you will be invited into an adventure that you're like, woohoo! This is amazing. There are times where you will get hurt. There are times, yes, where you will fall into discourage. But he will pick you up and he will brush you off and he will say, come on, my child. Let's continue. God's people have been wandering away from the word. God's people have been giving way to a spirit of fear. And God's people have become at times controlling and so angry that we are barely distinguishable from the culture around us. And that makes me so sad. You are supposed to be people of light. We're supposed to be that. We get so entangled in political things. Look, you may have a point, but you're blowing your witness. I'm not saying that what you're arguing for isn't right, but argue for Jesus first. All that stuff comes afterwards. The culture is creeping into the church, folks, and the church is supposed to be boldly walking into the culture. Not so with us. Not so with us. The elders and the staff of Grace Fellowship Church stand boldly and say, not so with us. Would you say that with me? Not so with us. We will stand on God's word. We will continue to grow in courage and we will surrender ourselves to the control of God and not be controlling by his grace and for his glory. So family of grace, in order for us to burn brighter, we must pursue Jesus as never before. We must passionately love him as never before. We must run to him with reckless abandon in order to be prepared for what is to come, namely the end times. We must turn from mediocrity to full love and devotion to Jesus. Listen to Jesus' words. When Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his very soul? What one can one give in exchange for their soul? Jeremiah the prophet said this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You might say, Jeff, all this sounds exhausting. I can't give anymore. No, all you need to do is surrender. Because Jesus has come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, don't hear me, hear, don't hear me say that I'm saying following Jesus is easy. Your flesh will scream. Your flesh will literally scream when you take a faith, a step of faith to follow Jesus. If you walk from this place today and say, Lord, by your grace and for your glory, I'm going to start telling people about you. Your flesh will freak out. <laughs> if you're not used to doing this, Tracy and I were over at Cadoras Park a couple weeks ago. I don't want to run too much over time, but I will run over time. So <clears throat> I'm well over time already, aren't I, Jess? Yeah. Go for it. Okay. So Cadoras Park, you know, that week, we actually spent a week there in our camper, and we wanted to go out and be alone, and we were, and I was going out into the woods, spending time with God, hours and hours in the Word, chewing on the Word, eating the Word of God, loving the Word of God, just letting the Word of God get into my DNA, into my bloodstream. 
And so I'm walking back because I think I'm probably later than Tracy might have thought. And there's this guy sitting off at a picnic table over there. And I'm walking by and I'm thinking, well, I got to get back to the camper. And the guy says, Psst. Psst, Jeff. I'm like, what, God? He's like, go over there. And I'm like, I don't know that guy. He's like, go over there. I'm like, okay, God. Because I know enough what it feels like to feel sad for not obeying Jesus. You know what it's like to feel that godly sorrow when you had an opportunity and you didn't take it and then you feel sad afterwards? So I go, okay, God, I'll walk toward him, I guess. <laughs> so I walk toward him and he catches my eye. I catch his eye. And I, we start a conversation, you know, first at like 50 feet. Hey, how you doing over there? Oh, yeah, how are you? You know? And we start talking or whatever. And, and we start talking and I just start inching forward and the Lord's spirit is pushing my back. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't think God, I want to go over there. I don't know this dude. He's like, but I do. Ended up sitting down at the picnic table that he was sitting at. And I had a three-hour conversation with that guy. And I prayed for him and the relationship that he was in. And I got to tell him about Jesus. And I think he kind of knew Jesus, but I don't know. And, And it was just so beautiful. And you know what? I got his phone number. He got my phone number. And we've been texting now. And I'm so excited about what God's doing in my new friendship with that man. See, all it takes is for you to move across the room. That's all. Do you know how lonely people are? Do you know how empty people are that don't know Jesus? And do you know you're supposed to be the conduit of his love for them? So he's so beautiful, and God asks us to understand this, but so often we don't realize that we have to repent. We have to turn from our ways to his ways. For the time Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Listen, the Christ-centered life is a consistent and constant turning. A turning to Jesus time and time again and a turning away from the ways, weight, and worry of this world. Sorry, I crossed my line. Jesus makes it clear. We can't have one foot in the world and the other one in the kingdom. You can't. No one can serve two masters. Either will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. You cannot serve both God and people's fears. You cannot serve both God and whatever it is you fill in the blank. So if I'm giving way to a spirit of fear, I'm serving that rather than serving God. You see, God longs for us to know just how beautiful he is. Listen to this scripture. For this people's hearts have become callous. They hardly hear with their ears. And they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn. And I would heal them. Has your heart become hardened? Have you shut your eyes? Or are you hearing and seeing what's happening before us? And are you understanding this simple thing that there is no one better than God? He is the source of life, and he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. And I ask this question, like, God, what do you want us to see with our eyes? What do you want us to hear with our ears? And what do you want us to understand with our hearts? He says, I want you to just understand how good and holy I am and how desperate you are for me and how broken you are without me. But I want you to understand, most of all, just how much I love you. I love you so much. If you just come to me, But folks, we run to what the Bible calls broken cisterns. Those are things that cannot sustain us. This chapter from Ephesians is just so beautiful. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the world does. 
by the way, it says Gentiles, but now we're going to say as the world does, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to every form of sensuality with a continual lust for more. Now, that's not just about sexual lust. That's about any form of sensuality about you seeking life in the wrong places. I've done this throughout my entire life. I reflected back on 1987. I got myself a brand new Ford Taurus four-cylinder. And I saw that on the ad. That car is sweet, so stealth looking. I thought if I get that thing, man, first of all, it's going to be a babe magnet. And all I saw myself was just cruising down the road in this beautiful car with playing the tunes, little James Taylor, little Carly Simon. Well, within three months, the car went through uh, the first transmission. Three months later, it went through two more transmissions. And then the engine block cracked. Thank you, Jesus for showing me that life was not found in a Ford Taurus. <laughs> now, I'm telling you, folks, we laugh at that, but don't you be deceived. I watched um, advertisements on TV with my wife last night, and I went, oh, there it is again. Oh, there it is again. Do you know that Amazon will change your life? <laughs> Amazon will set you free. I'm serious. Do you know if you take these drugs that literally can kill you, they will set you free too. You know, take that drug to get rid of your psoriasis that may destroy your liver, but it's okay. <laughs> Literally, life is being promised all around you, and those are called deceitful desires. Can you say that with me? Deceitful desires. You see, this scripture goes on. I tell you this and insist on the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. And it goes on to say, that, however, is not the way that you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in accordance with him. The truth is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Now, let me help you understand something. It doesn't have to be a foreign Taurus. It can be a husband or a wife. Yes, you can look to that hubby or to your wife and think, if he only did this, then I would be happy. At wrong. Then you will find something else that makes you unhappy. If I only found the woman that's right for me, can I tell you something? Women are wonderful. So are men. <laughs> but life is only found in Jesus Christ. And when you marry someone, you're going to realize that they are desperately broken just like you are. But we look for life in all the wrong places. Maybe it's a wife, maybe it's a husband, maybe it's a kid. If my kid would just do this, then I would be happy. If my, kid, wait, if my parents would just be this way, then I'd be all right. No, child of God, you're already all right. You already have victory. You just need to go to God to get it. See, all these things, again, are noted as broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And while we look to them for life, they are called idols. And idols must be repented of. Listen to me. You cannot turn to Jesus without turning away from the world. You cannot turn to Jesus without turning your back on people and things that in the past used to control you because of your deceitful desires. 
You have to lay down these deceitful desires and realize they are promising you things that they will never deliver. Only God will fill your soul with life. Only God will love you in a way that you long to be loved. But you must run to him in order to discover him. He says, seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. So look, we're called to deepen our discipleship to tell our testimony and empower the next generation. Deepen our discipleship, when we talk about that, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Grace Fellowship Church is making a commitment today to making disciples in an unprecedented way. Now, this word right here is the word of God. I'm telling you, this book tells you to eat it. Now, by the way, how many of you eat food regularly? How many of you chew when you eat food? You probably don't chew enough. I did the research on this. You were told you're supposed to chew every bite of food 32 to 40 times. I am doing it now. Can I tell you, I get bored eating, (laughs) which is a great weight loss plan. It takes you like twice as long to eat if you chew every bite 32 to 40 times. I'm telling you, this book, throughout this book, from John to Jeremiah says that you are supposed to eat this book and you are supposed to chew on it, which means it's like a dog gnawing on a bone. You ever see a dog gnawing on a bone? And he makes those noises, like the noises when he's chewing on it, and you come close and he goes, supposed to protect your time with Jesus and eat this word with him and commune with him. I tell you, you want to to hear the voice of God? This is the primary way you're going to hear the voice of God. But you got to get in it and read it for transformation. you got to chew on it. Now, folks, honestly, we think a lot of times, and this is not meant to be anything critical, but we think we're chewing your food for you. We think that some of you come to us on Sundays and you get your food for the week and you walk away with some pre-chewed food. Now, by the way, it's okay. We're not knocking you for that. That's okay. But who needs pre-chewed food? infants and baby birds, right? Now, there's nothing wrong with being an infant. The only thing is infants are supposed to grow up. Baby birds are supposed to learn to fly. And folks, we want to help you chew your own food. So we're going to enter into a season of actually deepening discipleship at at Jesus' church, at Grace Fellowship Church, by actually starting to offer what's called a midweek victory equipping series. I have been called by God to return to teaching, but in a very different way than I have in the past. I want to return to teaching in a very interactive way, so I'm owning this to start with. And we're going to start a series called Victory in the Battleground of Your Mind. How many problems have people with their thoughts? Anybody? Yeah. Okay, so we're starting this little mini It's going to actually happen in mid-October. We don't know exactly the setting yet because we're trying to get this worked out from my vision. But hearing God's voice through, in and through God's words. So that's one thing we're going to offer. We're also going to start doing regularly scheduled prayer walking. This was our first prayer walk Wednesday in a long time. Okay, we used to do these a while back. But this is a group of people that walked the building and prayed. And can I tell you, we came back and shared stories and it was so flipping beautiful. God was doing amazing things. So we're regularly going to have prayer walks. And in addition to that, what's the other thing that I need to talk about there? Oh, the application of vision across ministry areas. The things that we're talking about today literally will be applied across many of the ministries of Grace Fellowship Church. Now I'm going to have to pick up a little pace here. Okay. So 
Not only are we actually deepening our discipleship, but we're telling our testimonies. I've talked about this a lot already, but the scripture says clearly that we triumph over Satan by the blood of the lamb and the word of our witness. They did not love their lives so much to shrink from death. Look, the people that this was talking about were dying, literally being killed when they talked about Jesus, and we're afraid of offending people? What has happened? Hey, can we just make a pledge? You hold your hand up and say, I am willing to offend people with the love of Jesus. All right, ready? One, two, three. I am willing to offend people with the love of Jesus. Look, when you do that, we're going to do this together. We're going to start incorporating life stories back into Sunday services, but we actually have a team of people, a team of people that are actually coming together to coach people how to tell their life stories. It's going to be initially Michelle Barshinger, uh, Barshinger sorry, I said your name kind of like with a mouthful and wash or whatever, Chris Sizik, Michelle Barshinger, Chris Sizik, and myself, and we're going to be equipping people to learn how to tell your story. It's relatively easy. This is where I was before Jesus came into my life, or this is where I was before Jesus messed with me in this way. This is how he messed with me. This is what I felt, and this is what happened. It's pretty easy. And we're going to have those regularly incorporated into Sunday services. So look, if you're willing to share your life story, this is not to be any, look, Jeff, I'm not a drug addict. I don't have a like, big, big, powerful story to share. No, it doesn't have to be. All you can do is share a story of his love. Write us an email, lifestories at gfcshrewsbury.org. That will come to uh, Michelle, um, Chris, and myself. Okay, I'm going to keep going. We're called to deepen our discipleship. Say that. Tell our testimonies and empower the next generation. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of your glorious splendor and your majesty. Again, I'm favoring my life side. I apologize over here. We go over here. We must prepare and release the next generation of Jesus' followers in grace. We have to. So many churches grow older with their leadership. When I was part of a church in, in uh, Timonium for years, we were mapping this. And when the leadership was 30, the body was in the average 30s. When they'd be 40, average 40s, 50s, 50s, 60s, 60s, 70s, 70s. You see what I'm saying? And what happens when a church grows old with its leadership is it loses relevance and it dies with its leadership. Why? Because often leaders are hesitant to let go of control. You hear the fear in that? Not so with us. We want to trust Jesus Christ in such a way that we actually empower the next generation first to lead with us, and then when we're gone, lead in our place until Jesus comes back. Amen? So, we're going to talk about succession. For six years, I have been succession planning. I have been praying and asking the Lord to reveal to me who the next lead pastor of Grace Fellowship Church might be. You see, uh, when I came back from sabbatical, I had, some, I had some limitations, and those limitations have affected our body. And we're all aware of that. We're all aware of that. But I went through the process once again of saying, Lord, I think it's time to accelerate the succession plan. Like, I think you're prompting me to that, Lord. And so over the years, over six years, I've talked to men who are godly men. I've talked to men like Alex Gilbert. Alex and I would sit for long periods of time, over many years, and we said, are you the guy to take this place over? Or are you the guy to go plant? And we, we discovered together, no, you're a guy to go plant. So we, we sent him out to plant zeal, and by the grace of God, that's beautiful there. But then I started talking to people like Matthew Von Stein. Matthew's such a, a godly man, and he oversees regional uh, dream life. Uh, dream life. <laughs> Young life. <laughs> Thank you. Tell him I'm getting a little tired. I get a little loopy. 
But um, Matthew oversees Young Life, and, and we had conversations. And I said, I wonder if you're the guy. And we both agreed we didn't have the proximity, and it just wasn't, it wasn't God's season of grace. And when I came back, it was clearly you thought Ben Lawrence was the guy. And, and Ben, you know, went into a process for months of praying, and we, we continued to kind of walk with the elders. And, and I thought it might be Mark Fair, and Mark entered in, and he said pretty quickly, I don't think I'm the lead pastor of this fellowship. But, I, but both Mark and Ben had different processes. And Ben, at one point in an elder meeting, I still remember it. We were talking about Elijah and Elisha. If I have anything of Elijah in me, I am looking for the Elisha. And Ben Clare said, I am not the Elisha. And I just felt like something was declared in the heavenlies, right, brother? And so we kind of went, what are you doing, Lord? And then all of a sudden he said, there's another guy. There's another guy. And this guy is Pastor Phil Cook. thought that might be it. See, I had to hold off on that to the end because if I told you that early, you would have not heard another word I said the whole time. (laughs) So I think, elders, what we're hearing is further confirmation of God's anointing on our brother, Phil. Phil has demonstrated such a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's amazing. And we've seen him grow so much over the years. We're so grateful that God put him down in our fellowship. And I gotta tell you, if you haven't gone like in witness what happens in Awaken or the Grove. Oh my gosh. If you just get like a camera and go in there, it is so beautiful what God is doing under Phil's leadership to mobilize armies of young people who love the Lord. But we believe Phil has what's called apostolic gifting. That's the same gift mix that I have. It's kind of actually a little scary how similar Phil and I are. We get in a room together and start talking and I go, we could be very dangerous indeed. But he has apostolic gifting, which means he's the kind of leader that can catalyze the family and pull us together and move us. God God needs apostles to move the fellowship. He needs teachers. He needs shepherds, shepherds to care for the body, teachers to instruct the body, but he needs apostles to move the body. You see, and I've been in that apostolic role for 15 years now, and I'm planning on staying in it now for a two-year transition period. We think it's going to be two years. We don't know. By the way, lots of questions. This little brochure will be available to you after the services today. I think it'll be up front here, and we may have some people handing them out. Where'd Mark go? Where are we going to have him, Mark? Around the perimeter and at the front is a little four-page brochure that answers commonly asked questions and explains our process to you. This will also be emailed out to the entire fellowship after our meeting today. And then it will be available at the family meeting tomorrow night, along with some other documents. Now, by the way, tomorrow night you'll have opportunity to hear from Pastor Ben, Pastor Mark about their process. And then Pastor Phil, I think, is going to lead us in some kind of fun exercise, which he's a master at. (laughs) A master at fun exercises. So if you want to come, you can have some fun with us tomorrow night. But Phil will be entering into developmental process now. 
for probably a couple years by which he will expo- be exposed to and immersed in every area of church leadership. You see, there's a training season. And throughout that season, we will be continuing to check in with Phil and Jess because, by the way, when, when we went through this process, and I'll tell you what really happened. Do you remember when Phil taught on unity from John 17? The Lord spoke. And they said, I went up to him afterwards. I said, God is using you to shepherd this body through a very difficult season. And you know what? God was. And it was so powerful and profound. It was so palpable, I could feel it. And then we started conversations. We rolled this out to Phil as an option. He and Jess went away. I think it was, where is Phil? Is he here? Did he run away already? How many weeks was it, bro? Was it like three months, two months? I don't know. Six weeks. They prayed for six weeks, came back, and they said, yeah, we really think that God's calling us to this. And so by the grace of God, we're entering now into a process where Phil next week will be installed as an associate pastor. Phil is now being ordained which is a different level. So we have licensing and commissioning for pastors of grace, and then we have ordination. And then as a result, we'll walk together then, watching the Lord work. And we're inviting you into this. Please be praying for this process. Good leaders listen. So while ultimately the decision for Phil's candidacy will be up to God, Phil and Jess, and the elders, we want you to speak into this over time. And we want to hear from God together to confirm what we believe God is calling us to to actually empower the next generation of leaders at Grace. So that this fellowship does not die with those of us who are, let's say, over 50, but that this fellowship continues in a greater way than ever before. If you know the story of Elijah and Elisha, Elisha had twice the power. I think that's true for for our brother Phil. So I'd ask you as a fellowship if we can stand together today. I appreciate your patience in staying a little later. Pastor Phil will be with us next Sunday, and he will be kicking off our victory season. Now, by the way, we're going to be returning to Genesis, possibly in a modified way, but Phil will be teaching the next two weeks on victory, walking in what Jesus has already given us, okay? So please be with us, invite friends to come, let them hear about victory in Jesus Christ, okay? So let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that you are faithful. Thank you for revealing to us your will for this next season. We stand together as your body, unified in solidarity, committing to you and you alone. Lord, we pray, deepen our relationship with you. God, that we would be disciples and that our colors would be clear. Lord, that there would be no mistaking us, that we together, people would look at us and they'd go, surely that person's been with Jesus. Lord, deepen our discipleship. Father, help us to tell our stories. Help us, Lord, to tell our testimonies in such a way that everybody's around us. That guy's talking about Jesus all the time. Yes, why? Because you are love. And God, help us to let go of control. It's just an illusion anyway. We really never had control to begin with. And God, thank you for providing this next generation of people who love you with a passion. Help us to love you together, We pray this all in the precious name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen.